How does the massive hack attack against Sony compare with other online attacks that we've seen in the past? And what can businesses do to better defend themselves against these types of attacks in the future? Hi, I'm Matthew Schwartz, Managing Editor for Europe at Information Security Media Group. And joining me today is information security expert Carl Herberger, Vice President of Security Solutions at Radware. Carl, thanks very much for joining me. Matthew, pleased to be here. Thank you very much for the invitation. Why is it so important to get detailed information following a hack attack before attempting to attribute the attacks to a specific group or nation? If you've been in this business long enough, you know it's very hard to pick out of a lineup of the usual suspects exactly who had the firing finger, if you will, in an attack like this. Of course, I read the news reports just as well as you do. Sony's not a client of Radware, and I don't have the good fortune of having a lot of technical evidence in front of me. But I know there's two or three things that's coming through that's quite clear. One is Sony has been targeted by hosts of companies over the years. In fact, just as recently as late August, there was a group called Lizard Squad. They had made a couple of threats to the Sony CEO, of which he had to respond to directly. And of course, there was the infamous uh, attack of Sony's PlayStation by Group Anonymous in years gone by. So I think there's good reason to believe that there are plenty with motive. <laughs> you know, if we were playing a game of Clue, I would take the knife in the library kind of thing. We know from past attacks that you have to be slow with your finger pointing and really spend the time with your analysis. The FBI has attributed the attacks to North Korea. What is the likelihood that the group that has claimed credit, the Guardians of Peace, is actually involved in the attacks? I think it looks very credible that these folks are indeed responsible for the attack. Having said that, time frame and backers, in other words, is this a sole thing from a nation state? Are there other players that are co-collaborators? Some of this information had been gained through the anonymous attack from the PlayStation attacks from years gone by. Or for that matter, Lizard Squad, if you can remember, just recently had conducted what they claimed was a 200 gigabit attack against Sony in late August. There seems to have been a lot of people who were focused on Sony as a victim. And I think there, there's some open questions here. For example, how can we conclude that the previous breaches did not contribute to this problem? Could there have been a connection between the previous breaches and this group? I don't know that we have clear answers to that. So that's really where I go on this. There's an ascribed motive that this is around the movie and so forth. That's pretty interesting in of itself. But there is a very large challenge here in security to pinpoint exactly who's behind an attack, right? Especially if the group doesn't lay claim. And this is where I have some hesitation. I'm not trying to be cagey about it. For example, we recently launched our annual security report. We discussed this whole idea that there's many motives why people attack people. The criminal cybercrime motive, the hacktivism motive, the espionage motive, and the war motive. In this attack, it's a little unclear to me what exactly the motive. Is it a nation-state motive? Is it a hacktivism motive? Is it an espionage motive? Is it a criminal motive? It feels like all four motives are resonant here. And that's not normally a nation-state kind of attack. Not not that it can't be, but it feels a little strange. I think there's questions being raised about proportionality. Perhaps all bets are off when you're dealing with a communist dictatorship, but patterns of behavior to date might suggest that this isn't, as you say, how a nation state typically responds to the denigration of its supreme leader. Yeah, you don't normally get a criminal motive like this from a nation state, not in a public way. If you get criminal motive, you normally see it in a very clandestine way. So you're left with a lot more questions than you feel like you've answered here. There are a couple other questions that this raises. Is this kind of warfare. If you caught Newt Gingrich wrote a tweet that suggested that we had lost our first cyber warfare attack as a result of this attack. It's an interesting concept, right? 
there is a lot of body of work out there that's talking in terms of what is cyber warfare and is this really an attribute of cyber warfare? There's a couple of things with the Sony attack, I think, beyond the attack itself, the wiper virus, beyond who may be responsible, that I think are also really, really foundational questions. One is the idea that a cyber hack or an attack can actually reach the level of an existential threat to a company, or for that matter, maybe even a country, is really profound, right? I think Sony's attacks, I'll put them together in collective, really asks a question about whether or not they can survive this, right? This attack reached their core of the integrity of their systems, of their business. Can they survive the anticipated shareholder lawsuits on loss of stock price, the union lawsuits on revelations of the union deals and the communications, the libel lawsuits associated with emails and the discussions on there, the idea of the contract negotiations between their actors and actresses, as well as the financial loss of stopping movie film production and the release of intellectual property material that's related to future films, like what we saw with the next James Bond script got released. I think there's a lot there, Matthew. The attackers seem to be incredibly web-savvy, internet-savvy, pop-culture-savvy. They've been leaking this information out. They've been contacting directly journalists such as myself with little updates about where they've posted their latest messages. This is a carefully orchestrated anti-Sony PR campaign by the look of things. So beyond the white malware, beyond attackers' ability to steal what they say is tens of terabytes of data, they also appear to be expert at keeping their exploits in the limelight, which is yet another, I'd say, escalation from the types of attacks that we've previously seen. I agree you're playing this out in a pre-coordinated or premeditated plan, or at least a plan of attack that's beyond the reaction capability of Sony and the law enforcement to be able to predict what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. There appears to be sort of like a hacktivist like punitive measure to this. They're very interested to have some sort of vendetta against the company. And the motive for that is unclear. If it's just a single movie and the movie is no longer being shown, you know, I think this raises questions about all these other attributes, the PR attributes that you're mentioning, the attributes beyond this movie. Another tie that I don't think is being tied in too well is, if you recall Operation Abbeville with the U.S. commercial banks and the discussion of the attacks that was purported and eventually, I think, pretty confirmed to be from the nation state of Iran. The initial discussion was around removing a movie from the internet, from YouTube and another internet place. So it's very funny the analogy here between the nation state attacks and the interest in removing movies or content or, you know, sort of hacktivist-like uh, demands. And I wonder if the capitulation on the Operation Abbeville in the removal of the movie actually laid a foundation for this attack. That's a great question. Although if I recall correctly, the movie was still only removed when the copyright holder removed it or when someone alleged there was a copyright violation. Yeah, that's right. You're exactly right. I think Google came down on free speech grounds and said, we're not going to cave into this. That's right. That's why the attacks went on and on and on. And eventually it did get removed for different reasons. But nevertheless, the net effect was sort of the same, right? The perpetrators, maybe even these perpetrators took a different message from the removal. And maybe they didn't get nuanced with why it was removed, but they saw basically a demand and eventually an effect. And you see here, too, a demand and in the eyes of the perpetrator, a positive effect, right? I wonder what this will mean in the future for people that want to do things like this. Does this mean that we've illustrated 
that essentially this increases the riskiness for everybody in their ability to be attacked from either a nation state or a transnational state or some sort of robust activist group. They want to exert their demands, their will on a company or for that matter, a country. You know, the major messages here are sort of being lost that maybe folks are finding that this is a very powerful way to exert your will. After President Obama criticized Sony, they did turn around and say, actually, we are going to do a movie release, but we need to find a way to do that. But that followed a period where Sony was largely quiet about every aspect of the attack against it. There's been a lot of different responses from Sony that have come out over the years of everything from a tweet response from their CEO with regard to DDoS attack and so forth. This one has been really sort of uh, a silent response, more or less, I think is the caveat. Different companies have struggled with the response on cyber attacks, there's no doubt. I think Target has been ridiculed quite openly all across the board, even in front of Congress, for their response on these cyber attacks. To be honest with you, I think we're struggling as an industry to be able to effectively respond. I think this is the reason why. The answer is, I'm not sure that silence was not the best answer in this particular reason. Here's basically the fundamental what I think goes on with the silence. It's easy to communicate when you have all the facts and you know what's going on. It's hard to communicate when you don't have all the facts and you don't know what's going on. In our annual report, you'll find this. We just released our annual report. You'll find these statistics that 85% of all cyber attacks, it doesn't make a difference if they're DDoS or the data exfiltrations attacks or if they're intrusion events, 85% of all cyber attacks which are effect, i.e. the attack technique is effective, happen within minutes. Said again, 85% of all effective cyber attacks happen within minutes. In other words, they're not long attacks technically. The paradox of that issue is that 85%, believe it or not, it's the same number, of the victims' awareness of what happened occurs weeks or months thereafter. So in other words, for 85% of the organizations who are the victims of a cyber attack, it takes them weeks or months to figure out what occurred. We know this very anecdotally. If you study the RSA attack or the Target attack or the Home Depot attack, the Sony attacks on PlayStation, for example, we know it takes a long time to figure out what happened. There's many reasons for that, and they're not always such good reasons. But that delta between an effective attack and understanding clearly what occurred is what's resulting, I think, in this variance in a response, which is unadmirable. My assumption is that many companies struggle with knowing what occurred. If this is the case with Sony, then I think it's probably safe to say if they didn't know what occurred, maybe to not be pretty public about that. So better not to increase the speculation, but to wait until you have something definitive to share then. Exactly, exactly. You can see the huddle with PR folks and internal legal folks and so forth, and they're saying, well... If you really don't know what to say, don't say anything and don't incur any liability as a result. Extrapolating from what we've been discussing, what are some of the immediate takeaways that you would have for other businesses that want to perhaps learn from the Sony breach? If you're a company that believes or fancy yourself not a target, Sony illustrates, I think, quite handsomely that you can be a happy-go-lucky company that is beloved in many circles, but still has reasons for people to want to attack them. If you believe also that cyber attacks are 
fleeting and they're sort of like the weather that you just hunker down and eventually get through them and eventually there's, there's a starry day beyond it. The reality of the situation is that these weather events, if you will, these cyber attacks are getting more ferocious and at times they're getting to the point where you can no longer push through the other side of it without having pre-planned out a cyber attack mitigation plan. So you have to have adequate defenses. You cannot be laissez-faire about your security controls. In addition, the more you are a multinational that's got a strong brand, especially if you say you do things that irk people, like you're a politician, you're a content provider, you're a news organization, you're a personality of some sort, there's now a blending between hacktivism and cyber warfare. What I would encourage you is no longer to look at things so black and white and that there's a big blend. Some people are calling it the fourth generation of warfare. It's the idea where you involve various what used to be independent elements between terrorism and highly sophisticated psychological warfare as well as low intensity conflict and a lack of hierarchy in terms of battles and so forth. There's a big blend going on here that the attacks are getting very hard to define and you're going to have a hard time determining who did anything. So you're left to your own devices to be able to survive a cyber attack. So there's three major things that I have going on here. One is, if you view yourself at all not being attackable, you're wrong. So you have to do something about this. Second, I think this world of blaming folks, I know it's very necessary and we have to get to the long part of it. But the reality in today's IT security world is that it's going to be very hard for you to define who did what in a reasonable period of time. And then the threat landscape is actually increasing and it's actually getting worse. I feel like I'm a fear purveyor here, but that's really what we're looking at is we're looking at environments where it's quite aggressive out there. Carl, thanks very much for your insights on the attack against Sony, as well as how businesses can respond. Thank you very much, Matthew. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Matthew Schwartz. Thanks for joining us.